what's poppin uh it's been a while since you heard this voice but at the same time i feel like i've been doing that you know off and on type thing uh for the past like you know a couple months for like pretty much since the start of 2021 just because of the fact that we're still in a whole ass pandemic but good news at the time of this recording and obviously you know it's not long since i got my first vaccine shot you know what I'm saying? It's Fizzy Gang, Pfizer. You already know what it is, since that is the influx of uh, vaccine dosages, dosages in which Canada has received. Moderna is a close second, and then you have AstraZeneca, you know, towards the tail end of the third. But through the handlings of what's been popping with this pandemic, you know, in all forms of government, municipal, provincial, federal. It's been a shit show, but numbers are increasing in terms of people who are getting vaccinated. Numbers are gradually coming down in terms of COVID cases, even though they're still egregiously high. As of today, uh, May 11th, um, it was uh, over 2,000 for Ontario in terms of new cases. So... You know, we're going to be in the stay-at-home order till at least June now, get the cases down, get more people vaccinated. That's really what the goal is, which is fine. But Master trying to be outside for the birthday. Remember, this in July. So trying to be out somewhere, you know what I'm saying? And hopefully I'll be fully vaccinated by then so I won't be as much of a risk travel-wise, you know what I mean? But that's not really about you know, all the COVID shit that's happening. That's just what is happening right now and has been happening for the past year and change. And it's the one year anniversary of the Yo6 podcast. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I originally recorded my first episode, uh, just like, you know, the introduction. It was short and sweet, about 16 minutes long. And that was the anniversary of the shot, uh, which is tomorrow, two year anniversary of the shot. You already know what it is, Kawhi Leonard. You know, there's the when he was a notable and elite Toronto Raptor, probably the best, not greatest, the best individual basketball player, talent-wise, skill-wise, to put on a Raptors jersey. That is just fact. The greatest in terms of longevity and major impact is Kyle Lowry. You don't need to have this argument between best and greatest. Okay? Okay. That's all you got to say. But given that the anniversary uh, in 2020 and I was recording off my phone into an iMac and I was like, all right, let me just do this. And I was just kind of like getting those feelings out there because, you know, my separation was still raw. You know what I'm saying? It's not a year later and things have progressed. Don't no need to go into any further detail, but things are moving in a direction that is forward. If you listen to the first episode, you listen to this episode now, the tone of voice, my energy, it is more, uh, it's more positive. It's, uh, I'm more jovial. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things that happened in the span of a year that has stretched beyond my furthest imagination. You know what I'm saying? In terms of personal connections that I've made and lost, you know, all for the better, you know, at the end of the day. Um, like, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, family that I've lost, you know what I'm saying? Like that was like really impactful as well. 
but also like, you know, gaining new perspective on so many things within life. And even professionally, I've taken like, you know, a, a crazy, insane leap uh, at the end of, you know, December 2020. And then the opportunities that have opened up to me since then have been crazy, like nonstop. You know what I'm saying? And I'm very grateful for that. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people who are not as fortunate to work from home, to live in an affluent neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Um, the only reason why I got a vaccine because the Jamaican Canadian Association was offering uh, vaccines to uh, all black people in all postal codes in Ontario. It didn't matter where you're from. But when I got there, surprise, surprise, there were, there were a lot of non-black people in the lineup, including two individuals that were on the bus with me that I took all the way to Arrow Road, okay? Went from Midtown to North York, all right, by four forms of transit. You know what I'm saying? I took an Uber home because ain't nobody doing all that stuff for an hour and change to travel on multiple buses and a train. Not doing that. And it was just really interesting to me to see that just like, okay, on the flyer itself, it advertised that this was for black people, for the black Caribbean, African diaspora community. You know what I'm saying? The people who are not as well served in terms of getting all these vaccines, but it was a lot of non-black people who was pulling up and getting these vaccines. And Lord knows the PR that would have been if a... <laughs> If an agency, if an association ran by black people were turning away non-black people to prioritize black people for a vaccine, they would have been scrutinized. And they would have been like, oh, well, how is this possible? And this is, done, and this is a human rights thing and everybody should be eligible. I'm just like, fam, it literally said on the flyer, if you read it, which clearly you did not, you did not understand the assignment, fam. You didn't read the Ikea instructions, you know how they have like, you know, the diagrams, like, you know, steps one through 36, depending on what you're building. You didn't even read all that, fam. You went to the last page and it's like, oh, okay, it's already built. It's lit. Nah, man. Nah, literally it was not for you. And that's the thing about gatekeeping, wherever you stand on that, but I've seen a lot of discussions in terms of like, you know, how black people should be gatekeeping a lot of shit to, you know, really have our own stuff because people come in, they take and take and take and they say that they appreciate, but they're really appropriating. And it's just like, so only one more convenience to you is when you pull up. But when other stuff matters in terms of where we actually need help, it's a black square on Instagram. Cool, 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 cool. That's cool. But all that to be said is that I got the shot. And it was necessary because we're trying to get out of this thing. You know what I'm saying? And... In part of like, you know, going to get the vaccine and wanting to play a role in ending the pandemic so that a man can go outside, it's just a matter of 
really, and I know I said I was going to like, you know, really talk about COVID shit, but bear with me here. It's really about, you know, the, the global community effort. You know what I'm saying? Because living in Canada, I also have a great privilege of being in North America and I have access to vaccines where people all over the world do not. You know what I'm saying? And people are, are dying by the thousands and they need the vaccines. You know what I'm saying? So it's a matter of like, we need to redistribute the kingdom so that all of we can get vacuumed up. You know what I'm saying? But within the year of things that have been happening within this pandemic, I've been very grateful to meet amazing people, but also in terms of advancing myself as a professional, I've been, I've been very grateful for it. You know what I'm saying? So I left MLSC at the end of 2020. And to be very honest with you, I was looking for a new gig probably starting like September, October. I just wasn't happy. You know what I'm saying? A part of that is because of the, you know, being at home, working from home and whatnot, but also just knowing myself, knowing my worth, knowing what I wanted to do more of. And I love sports. Absolutely. Just want to do things in a different way. I love sports storytelling, sports docs, but obviously you're kind of limited in terms of like, you know, what you can do there. And I'm not shitting on my former employer at all. I'm just saying in terms of what I wanted for myself, I had reached my capacity in terms of like, you know, what I was doing there and I was doing a great job. I mean, like, you know, at least that's what it was told to me. And based on like, you know, the amount of work that I've done, you know what I'm saying? And I'm grateful for the opportunity. Absolutely. To be able to touch so many different avenues in terms of TFC content, Raptors content, Leafs content, all of that encompassed within underneath the MLSC umbrella. I'm very grateful for it. And so I was just kind of like looking about, like, you know, applied to like, you know, Netflix and all these other places. I'm just like, hey, look, man, I'm just looking for something new and something that will actually like kind of fulfill me in a creative way and give me a different sense of direction. So then enter an executive producer who I'll just, I'll, I'll keep him nameless. You know what I'm saying? He shall uh, remain nameless. Um, for um, uh, Lily Singh's late night show. So a little, a little late with Lily Singh, which is now being canceled. Um, but I was working on it on his second season. So now this is someone who came to me. It's just like, hey, we're looking for an editor. I found you, all this other stuff. I'm just like, okay, this is cool. And then it's a matter of like, you know, it being Lily Singh, I know that's very polarizing for a lot of people, especially black people in the city. And I know that like, you know, collectively <laughs> based on the reaction of like, you know, the cancellation of her show, there's a lot more than just, you know, black people who don't like her. But at the same time, I've seen the flip side of it. There are a lot of people who really do love her and love her content and what it serves for different people and her using her platform to get like, you know, kind of more issues out there, especially within the uh, Punjab community, you know what I'm saying? Especially like, you know, the guests that she had on there and for like a month, uh, just like a month and change because like, you know, visa issues, especially working from remote, whatever. Um, I was very fortunate to be part of a great editing team, especially being the only Canadian on that, um, on that post team. And just seeing the diversity of like writers and producers and other people having their voice and me being able to have a voice and whatnot, I think 
what's lost on a lot of people just like okay look i understand that a lot of people don't like lily as a person in terms of like you know some of the stuff that she's done so, like her comedy may be like you know really dry or it's like too like you know in your face where she's just like kind of loud boisterous obnoxious to a lot of people i get that you know what i'm saying i never really cared for her in terms of like you know beforehand like i knew she was like just there and then there was a whole thing with like you know the bottom of paul obama pull up um like you know her own spin on it which rubbed a lot of people the wrong way absolutely come just like what is happening here but in that same vein like there's been a lot of like you know white and asian people and whatnot who have appropriated jamaican culture not saying that it's like better but i'm just saying like a lot of other people from a lot of different cultures have gotten more praise and have done like you know wilder things than what lily did but that's besides the point what I want to commend her is like the fact that she was responsible in handpicking the diverse array of talent that built up season two. You know what I'm saying? Like any decision about who got hired, like she had direct involvement in that, including myself. I'm from Toronto. I'm a black editor. And when it was presented to her, like, you know, from the EP of the show, it was her final say that said like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? For me to be on the team. And that means something. And I think that because of how Toronto works and because of just like, you know, how society is and like, you know, as a whole, you do like one or two things, whatever. And people don't necessarily look past the one or two things that you did. Of course, all depending on like, you know, how heinous the thing was that, you know, got you quote unquote canceled, but cancel culture doesn't like really exist because even though Lily's show got canceled, she's moving on to Netflix. So that's really like a come up, you know what I'm saying? I think that her being from Scarborough, you know, I think that it's still good to celebrate what she's been able to accomplish, especially as, um, a member of the LGBTQ2 uh, 2S plus, I want to get that right, uh, community, uh, her being a South Asian, you know, Canadian woman, like there are, she, she represents uh, being, she, she's a role model for a lot of different groups, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like that should be celebrated in itself, regardless of how you feel about it. You know what I mean? I, you know, just seeing a lot of people you know, praising the fact that her show got canceled. I'm just like, I understand you don't like her, but I'm just like, that's a big success from anyone from Toronto, given the fact that we're all trying to make it out here and she did and she was really successful. And to pray on her downfall because you don't like who she is personally. I mean, it's just like, this is why people don't like Toronto like that. But I'm not even going to, you know, get into anyone's personal politics. From my experience, I really enjoyed it. It was a different style from what I've been used to working on in Toronto because of the fact that I would never be able to get on a show like Lily if you know, in the landscape of Toronto. All I've really done in Toronto is like doc series type or 
lifestyle, you know what I'm saying? HGTV, Food Network, just kind of like bouncing around here and there, you know what I'm saying? Or sports. I was very fortunate to even land at MLSC because of who I knew at Vice, you know what I'm saying? So that was an opportunity of a lifetime because I didn't even think that I'd be able to get to NBC pre-pandemic, you know what I'm saying? Because like, you know, we as Canadians, we know how hard it is to get out of Canada, work in the US with the visas and everything like that, like making sure that that's all secure in order to make that jump, which a lot of us want to do. So I got this opportunity to do it in a in a virtual space. I'm just like, yeah, because I don't know what's going to happen with it. So with that, I'm just like, okay, I kind of took a leap of faith, left MLSC, went to NBC and was like, you know, just kind of doing that. I'm like, okay, this is what's happening. Cool. Getting paid more than I've ever been paid by any Canadian company that I worked for, save for one company for a few months because they're unionized and then lay people off. You can read between the lines there. But that was an opportunity that I did not think that I would be able to get for myself. And unfortunately, like, yeah, like, you know, I was only there for a month, but, you, you know, because of issues like that, I had to be let go, which sucked. But at the same time, it's just like, okay, I have that on my resume that I worked for, like, you know, a sketch comedy, late night comedy show that had sketches, that had scripted content, I had unscripted content, but being in that room virtually uh, to have that experience, that's going to do wonders for me. You know what I'm saying? Because since then, all the other gigs that I've been able to do, you know, like without Lily, I don't even know if I get like, you know, all those opportunities. So for my own personal growth uh, as a professional, that was amazing. And it gave me more confidence as an editor and to be able to dictate my worth more than what I was a year ago. You know what I'm saying? So things like that can really have an impact. There was a um uh there was a short documentary that I came across when I was on Twitter scrolling aimlessly because that's just what I do. And Ava DuVernay, uh she uh hopped on a short doc that was already out, but she was there as an EP and it's called a concerto for a converse a, a concerto is a conversation. And that was done by Breakwater Studios. Um, ben Proudfoot, who's the founder of it, he's from Nova Scotia, moved out to LA, went to school there, started his production company there, been doing a whole bunch of um, uh, short docs, especially uh, a series called Almost Famous, which is in partner with uh, New York Times Opinion. So that was really dope. And I watched that film and I'm just like, yo, this is amazing. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, you know what? I shoot my shot a lot, especially in a professional lens, because I'm just like, you know what? If I see something that's of interest to me, I'm going to make it known that this is a dope thing. I think you are a dope person or people in terms of like, you know, who brought this uh, production together. And I just want to show love and let you know, like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I want to do. Not necessarily looking for an opportunity, but to let you know that I am here as a creative, and if there is, if there so happens to be an opportunity for us to create, I would like to indulge in that. There's no harm in that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and especially like you know, as you know, um, as a creative in general, you always just want to network with people, keep yourself inspired, keep yourself motivated, and just like, all right, 
cool. Wagwan. You know what I'm saying? So I reached out. I sent two emails to their portal on their website. Uh, one, like, you know, they're just standard contact page because it's there. It's just like, hey, do you have something to say? Do you have, like, any comments? Do you want to work with us? Do you want to join our team? I was just like, hey, man, if they're, if they're presenting the opportunity to say something to them, I'm going to say something to them. You know what I'm saying? And I did that. I'd be sending out emails. That's what I do. You know what I'm saying? So I sent an email and then his pers- and then Ben's personal email is on there. So I was like, oh, let me just drop a line. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, look, Canadian to Canadian, really dope what you're doing, the production that you've been doing. Obviously, at that time, I hadn't watched all the Almost Famous uh, shorts. Um, but I was just like, okay, there's like a bunch of stuff here that I can really wrap my head around. And so, yeah, I just wanted to like show love. You know, being from Nova Scotia, I'm from Ontario, you know what I mean? Like that, um, you know, he's from a smaller town than I am, obviously. But the the thing about Canada and like the the disguise of it all is the fact that we're a small country in a large landmass. You know what I'm saying? Like there's less than 40 million people who live here and we operate like we are a small country sometimes. And, you know... 80% of us live a hundred kilometers away from the U S border. So it's just like, okay, all of us are really in this, um, this condensed space and damn near half, almost half of the population of the country is in Ontario. And you know, there's, there's only so many opportunities in Canada. So obviously we have to make our way down South to our neighbors to like, you know, really create those opportunities for, for ourselves. And that's what he did. He created an opportunity for himself. By the same time, like, you know, with his education, schooling, and networking over there. So I'm just like, you know what? Why not? Just drop a line. Just like, it just happens. Like, you know, it, it's very convenient that he's a Canadian. So I'm just like, all right, just makes the introduction really easier. And so, the, you know, just kind of communicating and everything else. Showed examples of my work after we had, like, you know, more correspondence. And then an opportunity came about which I don't know when it's going to drop, but there's an opportunity that came about that I got to, you know, be involved with working on something. You know what I'm saying? And a concerto for a conversation went on to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Short Doc. So the fact that I I could say that I worked with a production company that was nominated for an Oscar that's a big thing for me because one of my life goals is to win an Oscar. I've always believed that since I was 15, 16 years old. So it was either directing or editing, you know what I'm saying? It kind of morphed into editing, but that's how highly I view myself. You know what I'm saying? I've seen an Oscar in person. I've held an Emmy in my hand. You know what I'm saying? Just like manifesting is the way to go. You know what I'm saying? Depending on what you call it, manifestation or prayer, anything like that, that channels your energy to a higher power in order to get that back to you. But at the same time, uh, a dream is only a dream if work don't follow it. You know what I'm saying? Word to Kendrick Lamar on Institutionalized to Pippa Butterfly, one of my favorite songs ever. Okay? One of my favorite albums ever. Just to drop you all some knowledge. Okay? So it's about actualizing your dreams, and that's really what I've been focused on, especially getting back to me. Uh, continuing with therapy, which has been amazing, which has been life-changing and life-saving, really. Because it's brought me back to a space where I'm comfortable, like, really being myself in my own skin. Um, Whereas, like, you know, I kind of had 
uh, reservations, hesitations, doubts, you know, lack of self-confidence, just because of like, you know, different shit that I was focused on that really didn't matter at the time in terms of uh, how I'm viewed from an outsider's perspective. You know what I'm saying? So getting back to me, getting back to being myself, dancing in my apartment, really fixing that up, you know what I'm saying? Like with my couch and my new desk and my custom-built PC, shout out to Brit and Nat. You already know what it is for the recommendation. Shout out to Canada Computers and Midtown. Shout out to Jay, you know what I'm saying? I had to, listen, this is not... This is not a sponsored podcast at all by any means. That is not my goal, but I got to give people their flowers. You know what I'm saying? Because we're a community. You got to help each other. You know what I'm saying? Especially if people have interests. Um, you know, shout out to the people who have been picking up new interests within the pandemic, especially FNF Gaming. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, black folks being Twitch affiliates and partners and all the other stuff and just streaming and gaming. Like, that's amazing. I didn't know all that. One, I don't have a system yet, but we're working on that. Delancey, don't don't cuss me. He's always cussing me because of the fact that I don't have a system yet. I got the TV. I don't have the system. Bear with me, sir. Thank you so much. And also, go listen to Spit Sessions. Shout out to Reggie, too. I doubt they're going to listen to this, but it's fine because I have to give people their flowers. Um... But the constant upgrading of, like, you know, my apartment has been a place of peace, uh, solitude, inspiration, and that's all I've, like, really wanted for myself. All the art on my walls and, you know, sorry, all black art on these white walls, save for a, uh, a canvas print of a, uh, of a Jackson Pollock from the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Besides that... All black art on these white walls. You feel me? That's what I'm about. That's the type of time we're always on. You know what I'm saying? Support the people, them. The black people, them. The black artists, them. Support the young, defund the boy, them. You already know what I want. It's not even defund anymore. It's abolished. Abolished the whole sitting there. But it's been great. Just upgrading in all avenues of my life. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like really happy to experience all the things that life has to offer, especially the upcoming um, opportunities that have been built up for me. You know what I'm saying? Because even after, you know, working with Breakwater and like, you know, doing a little mini, like, you know, freelance still with MLSC again, just be like, you know, just to get myself back on track. And, you know, being with RTR again, who's been, like, so instrumental in helping me build up my career, especially starting off with them as an assistant editor on Lost and Sold. You know what I'm saying? One season, 2013, that was my start. Thrown into the fire as an assistant editor. And it was, it showed me a lot about, like, you know, who I am as a person in, in a professional sense and learning on the fly and always being able to adapt. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to be malleable. You have to be interchangeable. You have to be able to do a lot of different things. But at the same time, when you focus on the things that you are good at, and you focusing and you focus on mastering that. And I'm not even trying to sound preachy. I'm just, you know, just coming from my own experience. It really helps when you can master the one thing that you're really good at 
and then you can utilize that everywhere else that you go. You'll be known for that one thing. And the thing is, we got to a point, especially because, like, you know, being millennials and because we lived through, like, you know, 9-11, like, a couple of recessions, um, SARS, now COVID, we had swine flu, all, all the other stuff, you know what I'm saying? Not compared to, like, a previous generation that had, like, you know, the Great Depression and all the other stuff, but... You know, in the 80s and 90s, we're not going to ignore the fact that housing prices were basically nothing and they can build and accumulate wealth. And where we're just like, oh, cryptocurrency. Okay, that's something that's like, you know, attainable and feasible for us. And I'm happy to see more black people on the cryptocurrency wave because it's just like, all right, this is our opportunity to actually build sustainable wealth for ourselves on top of like, you know, investing in like, you know, mutual funds, getting life insurance, as people creating more families. You know what I'm saying? So that's really where we're at right now, but having to pivot to so many different things and becoming multi-hyphenates, it's added more stressors in terms of like, you know, what employers and stuff are looking for. Now, I pride myself on being an editor. I'm a very good editor. Obviously, I know that I can be absolutely better. I watch different things in terms of getting inspiration, like, you know, how to do certain stuff, but my thing is I cannot try to copy and emulate other people's styles of what works for them, especially because they have been frequent collaborators with different directors. I have not been fortunate enough yet to collaborate with the same director over an extended period of time to like really build up like, you know, my own style and, and, and whatnot, even though I have my own style that has been very present in anything that and everything that I do, right? As I continue to grow. And, like, you know, being frequent with my pacing and, like, you know, my chops and working with music and shit like that. That's why things like Dear Jordan are, like, you know, really creative exercises for me. You know what I'm saying? Just to see where I'm at is to, like, you know, test the waters and to really, um, really push myself in, in a direction that is forward to show that, you know what, I'm really good at this shit. You feel me? But I'm good at being an editor. I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not... Uh, especially good at visual effects uh, when it comes to audio editing and shit like that. Like, you know, I'm not the best. I have a sound, I have a sound effects library that I can, you know, utilize and whatnot. I know a lot of people who are great at the other things that I am not great at myself. And I think there are, th there's just been this collective mindset just like you have to be good at all things, Right. But if you're good at all things, what can you really be great at? And not to say that greatness is the goal, but it is good to be a master of something that, like, you know, no one can really take away from you. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, I'm not going to jeopardize my product and throwing on shitty VFX that I'm trying to put together on top of a really, really strong edit. I'm not just going to populate it with that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'll test some stuff out. But I'm not going to give you Marvel, MCU type shit in terms of VFX. Because all I want, I don't even have Marvel money like that, fam. They have the money for all that. And if I have the money to, you know, be able to, all right, let me pay a composer. Let me pay a sound mixer. Let me pay... Of like you know a graphic designer and all the other stuff. Let me facilitate and distribute money to people who can do the things better than me, so that we can collectively do a production really dope. You know what I'm saying? Like this individualistic thing 
And I know it's not exclusive to Toronto, even though it feels like it based on the amount of conversations that I have with people who live in other regions that are populated by a lot of black creatives. It's just like, fam, you don't have to do it. Just by ourselves. Nothing is really achieved just like by yourself. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has like their own crew of people, but branching outside of your circle to collaborate and build something great, that is the ultimate goal. But a lot of us haven't discovered that yet because everybody's just like, you know, comfortable being in their own pockets and their own silos and just like doing what they got to do and not having to worry about next people. There's trust issues there. There's the fact that a lot of people are pieces of shit. But at the same time, there's not a lot of people who meet in the middle, break bread, talk about shit, clear some stuff in the air because there's just a lot of miscommunication in the air. And some people don't even know why they don't like the people that they don't like. You know what I'm saying? But that's everywhere. Obviously, I just have a Toronto lens on it, but that's everywhere. And I know that. You know what I'm saying? And I probably contribute to a problem unknowingly. You know what I'm saying? But I've just tried to do my part in helping people, you know, get the opportunities in which I feel like they're deserving for. You know what I'm saying? If you're a dope composer, I would want you to be on a show or a film or get you a placement in a commercial or something like that. You know what I'm saying? If you're a good graphic designer, oh, this person needs something. You know what I'm saying? Like utilizing your abilities for good things that can serve a whole community, especially your community, which you feel has been underserved, that's really how we move forward. You know what I'm saying? And through um, reading the autobiography of Malcolm X with my charm, shout out to my charm. You know what I'm saying? Very happy to have met this lady who has really impacted my life in a way that I didn't even know that I was looking for. I wasn't even looking. We're matched up. I was like, oh, this is dope. Let's see where this goes. It's been going great. So shout out to her. And she was reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. I always had it. And um, I just never read it. But she was reading it. She's like, well, why don't you read it so we can talk about it together? I'm just like, well, damn. That's fire. I'm going to do that. So I locked in and basically just finished the last chapter yesterday. Starting like February, maybe January, whatever. Um But the autobiography of Malcolm X is a piece of work that still holds up to this day in terms of a lot of his ideologies, in terms of how black people can come together for a common cause, which is, you know, really liberating ourselves from a system that has been crippling us since before us and our parents and our grandparents and our grandparents' grandparents were born. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Obviously, there is a lot of stuff in here that, you know, I don't necessarily agree with because of, like, you know, some stuff can be seen as, like, really extremist. But going through the history as told by him and as told by Alex Haley um, of what he went through, Growing up, going through his teenage years, going to jail, really trying to find himself, uh, relying on family to help him get to a place where he can, like, you know, see at least a glimmer of light for hope and opportunity to for him to better his life. Like, you know, coming across the nation of Islam and becoming a Muslim and, you know, 
going out and 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 spreading you know the word of um what the nation islam represented um you know under the um the tutelage of uh elijah muhammad and just seeing how that all played out but then seeing the flip side of it where people were trying to label him as this black supremacist and someone who was filled with hatred and was encouraging hatred and spewing out all this rhetoric that was to make black people angry at all white people and want to like, you know, promote violence. I'm just like, uh, no, because when you look at the fact that all of these barriers and obstacles have been placed upon black people for centuries, that anger is inherited. It is passed down. And if these institutions and systems in which we are currently seeing today, all the time, everything is going to be pent up and there's going to be reactions. But the thing is, if we all, meaning all people, come together within our own silos to work towards dismantling these systems, that was the whole point. But he had to go through a lot of life-changing experiences for him to be on the other side where he can even think like that. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, you know, he he was murdered before he can kind of see that manifest into reality. And we're in a way, we're still kind of waiting for that. You know what I'm saying? But there's been some progression. You know what I mean? And it's not a matter of like, oh, I am a black creative who happens to be in white spaces. That's cool. But where are the black creative agencies, the black production companies and those opportunities? Because it's harder for us to get ourselves started with that. You know what I'm saying? In order to build those establishments for ourselves, bring our people in, put them on pay them accordingly so that they can support their families and their communities and so on and so forth. And that's where, you know, equality comes in. Will I see that in my lifetime? I don't know. Do I want to contribute to, you know, um, cutting down this problem? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I already have, you know, the production company name intact and it's a matter of really going forth and making the content and, establishing networks and stuff like that and i don't know man i just i just feel like as i'm about to turn 32 in july it's a matter of looking at my life as to like what my purpose is you know what i'm saying and for the longest time i just thought that i would just you know get a job save up a bunch of money have a condo in toronto have a family and eventually when i go to the states to as my career trajectory was like moving in that you know that direction i was gonna move to the states be an editor and whatever you know what i'm saying yes i know i want to like you know build a community center uh in my grandmother's memory uh, my paternal grandmother but shoot both of them at this point you know what i mean because they've both been very impactful in my life um and I know that that's something that's not necessarily far-fetched, but I'm just like, yeah, that costs a lot of money. But the thing is, it's like, I'm not a money-motivated individual. I'm not someone who thrives on 
needing money to get me to a place where I want to be. You know what I'm saying? I did not become an editor for the money. I didn't even know how much money editors made when I was 16 years old. It's not something that I really researched until I really had to, to be like, okay, what should I be charging? What's my worth? You know what I mean? And it's always just been about the love of being a creative and wanting to give back and to tell stories, to tell black stories. Project Susan is one of the biggest accomplishments in my life so far, even though it feels like, you know, I've been kind of taking a backseat to it, but I'm just like, that was such a relief to get that done, to get that out there and to see the feedback from people who have just been waiting to see that kind of story that was just beaming with positivity from a place where so many people consider quote unquote dark. It's just like, we need more of that. So where are more of our storytellers? There's a lot of stories in Toronto to be told and it feels like not enough of us either want to or can because there's no support from our own institutions to tell those stories. Now, am I seeing examples of that changing? Absolutely. There are people who are, you know, fighting the good fight, people who are not from the black community themselves because shit, black people fight for damn near everything all the time. So I'm just like, we're tired of fighting. We're tired of fighting. If y'all really want to be allies, ally yourselves up and fight for this thing so that we don't have to do as much fighting. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you have more power and influence. You know what I mean? Black people can only do so much. And we're doing the best we can and going above and beyond for a lot of shit that we didn't even cause. But I want to be able to contribute to the next generation. You know what I'm saying? I became a mentor uh, with the NIA Center for the Arts, which is located in Little Jamaica. As Little Jamaica has, go through, has gone through its own ongoing decades, decade long even like probably more than that ever since the Crosstown started, you know, construction, like it's, it's been going through a transformative and really depressing shift into the businesses that have been closing down and like, you know, the whole heritage, heritage uh, status in order to protect it from further um, deconstruction and hopefully bringing in more money to bring it back to life and make it better than it was before, before, you know, the whole city gets friggin' gentrified and then we don't have any personality in our hoods anymore because they've just been taken over by condos from people who've never set a foot in Toronto before. You know what I'm saying? So being a mentor has been something that, um, obviously I know like, you know, I have to be more consistent with it, but you know, you kind of face burnout. You don't necessarily want to talk to a lot of people. Um, but to see the hunger and the inspiration and these younger kids and you know i don't even want to call them kids because they're you know in their early 20s and stuff like that but to see their drive it drives me you know what i'm saying because i remember that hunger when i was 20 years old in new york yeah 2011 i had a meeting with a um a two-time then two-time now he's won like 10 uh sports emmys for his editing and I was 20 years old in Times Square having a meeting with this editor who made it possible 
for me to see myself as an editor in New York to be able to win awards. You know what I'm saying? Like that seed was planted. And that was someone who wasn't black. You know what I'm saying? Now imagine someone who is black is in the profession in which you want to pursue and they hear that your successes are possible. You know what I'm saying? The places I've been able to work at, the places I will work at, the opportunities that have been presented to me that can launch me into another stratosphere in terms of my profession. If I had seen examples of that as a kid, I would have had more confidence knowing that it was possible. So now that I can give that game back and let it be known like, yeah, somebody like me does exist. That is very fulfilling and that's something that I obviously want to do better at more. I think the fact is like, I'm over this whole virtual shit. I'm over it. I'm over it. I need face-to-face interaction. I know that like, you know, it's going to be dependent on everyone's uh, comfort in terms of meeting up again after this is all said and done. But it's just like, I need that interaction. I would like to be in a space where I can, you know, give a class or even give a talk and whatnot. There are a lot of people who are out here doing their thing with the virtual panels and stuff like that. That's amazing. And I'm not going to act like I didn't sign up for another one, but it's it's more impactful when I can see the looks on, like, you know, different people's faces, especially, like, you know, the younger generation's faces when they can actually, like, you know, come out to me, talk, and really get a sense of knowing like, you know, what it, who it is that I am, what it is that I do. And I want it, I want to talk about it more because I just, it has to be normalized. I know that's a word that everybody hates, but like you got to normalize, you know, black success in all pillars. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, embracing the struggles because yeah, it's not peachy at first. It sucks. The come up sucks. You know what I'm saying? But what I traded for, you know, working a day in retail or anything like that? Absolutely not. I would not trade it at all. The money sucks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but at the same time, it's just like, this is something that is my passion. You always want to strive and go for your passions. And that's something that I always want to encourage. And there are a lot of people, even in their adult years, who are, who are discouraged from following their passions. And they're trying to figure it out as adults, you know what I'm saying? And that's something I feel like for the longest I took for granted, just like, oh, I've known what I wanted to do since I was nine years old. Discovered the profession I actually wanted to pursue when I was 16 years old. Not a lot of people have that luxury, you know what I'm saying? So I did like kind of take that for granted because I'm just like, oh, like, you know, everybody like, you know, kind of figures this shit out. But no, there are a lot of people who are still figuring out, figuring it out. In their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s. The thing about life is just like you can pivot, you can recreate, you can do so many things as life progresses. There are no rules to this shit. Just don't hurt people. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just saw a tweet. There was an image that said, like, do whatever the fuck you want. Just don't hurt people. It's like, it's true. Don't hurt people. Don't hurt yourself either. Somebody replied in that. This is like, don't hurt yourself either. And that's important because we do be hurting ourselves. You know what I mean? I had a bunch of episodes that I was supposed to record with a lot of great people. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to B. Kwame. She's an amazing person. 
she's like you know all over the media circuit a friend of my aunt's shout out to auntie um i had another episode that i wanted to do with my um not actual auntie rochelle but you know shout out to rochelle shout out to auntie rochelle um there are a lot there are a lot of people that i don't want to, a lot of conversations that i don't want to have but i'm just like i don't have the capacity i was just like I don't really have it in me to have these conversations like that because of the fact that it's just like, I'm here, I'm in my own crib. As much as I am an introvert, I'm also an extrovert. I like being around people. That's where I get a lot of energy from. Um, Just like, you know, just, you know, being (laughs) being conditioned to like only see like one or two people outside of your household like maybe once or twice a month, you know what I'm saying? It's a different realm, you know what I'm saying? And for me, as a creative, somebody who's like enjoys working around people with people, especially as an editor and you're, and it's a collaborative process. It's just like, it just feels so plastic. And I just, I mean, I guess I'm just yearning for that human connection again so that I can like do things in person, have these conversations in person, you know what I'm saying? That will be more fulfilling to me. And that's why it's just been like, all right, there haven't really been as much guests. You know what I mean? Shout out to Martika because, you know, Martika is always like, you know, a, a, a friend of the podcast and frequent collaborator or collaborating when it happens, which is not as frequent as of late. But it's not to take a break, man. Because <laughs> it's just like this pandemic, it's hard. It's it's hard. You know what I'm saying? There there are better days than others, but this shit is just hard. And you don't want to like, you know, have the upkeep of it anymore. Shout out to everyone who's doing their podcasts, who has been consistent with it, who has been getting their guests, who has been getting their sponsorships who've been getting all their content and stuff like that like it's awesome it's really dope i did not create this podcast uh in any efforts to get a sponsorship to get any endorsements to get like you know any advertisers i don't advertise on this i wasn't trying to make money off of it and i know that there are a lot of people just like fam you don't see who you are fam like yo you can make our money you know what i'm saying like yo make a little change you know what I'm saying? Because of the fact that, like, you know, yo, you're 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 out here like that. People know who you are, fam. So, yo, you gotta use yourself. You know what I mean get that multiple streams of income, yo, level up, fam. Just like, okay, first of all, sir, no, I don't need to flex this at all. But I moved out of my mom's crib when November 2014. Okay, I was still an assistant editor. All right, I was able to move out. On my own crib, no roommate in my bachelor apartment. Since 2014, I've lived in this is now my third apartment. But rent has always been paid, phone bills have always been paid, money has been saved, my student loans have been paid off. I paid off my credit card. I own my damn couch from the Chesterfield shop. Yes, I did some financing, but that's besides the point. Buy my own PC system, buy all this thing. I did not necessarily need any other streams of income. And I know 
that there are a lot of people who are more opportunistic when it comes to wanting to develop all that because look, people have different goals for different shit. But I didn't need the podcast and I need it like, you know, to make money off me because I'm just like, I like money when I don't really have to pay attention to it. If I can just put it away and let that shit build, great. Very low risk. I'm very risk averse when it comes to money because I've been broke. This shit's not fun. I just want to be careful. You know what I'm saying? I won't buy, I was just saving money just to save money. I didn't even know I was going to do it at once. I realized I wasn't going to get a condo. So I just had this money here. And then things happen. You get into a relationship and then things just happen. It's fine. You go on trips. It's fine. You get laid off from your job. It's fine. You have to pay back taxes. It's fine. Everything is fine. Legit. You always bounce back. I'm not even asking, like, I don't have debts now. Everybody has debts. But at the same time, I ain't starving. I ain't desperate for shit. And things will get paid off. That's just, it's what it is. You know what I'm saying? And it's great. I love the life that I live. And I indulge in my hobbies. And the thing about me is just, like, I know when, like, you know, I stop going hard for my hobbies. I'm just like, all right, they're just there chilling. Like, look at my written blog. I started that in 2012. I haven't really written anything this year. You know what I'm saying? Because that was a hobby. That was something as an escape. But I don't really feel like I need to escape from anything. And again, the podcast was an extension of my therapy when I started it. Um, I was really, like, a few months into therapy when everything, like, you know, really went down. And I was in a different place. And this is something that I kind of needed. Yes, I could have like journaled and all this other stuff. I'm like, you know what? Let's have these conversations outwardly. Because there's probably some people who can relate to what I'm saying. Or what we're saying, depending on the guests that I was with. You know what I mean? So that's why I felt that it was important. And that's why I commend people who are, you know who have been very supportive on my podcast. Like, you know, when I've been dropping episodes. (laughs) And I really appreciate, like, you know, the great feedback that I've been getting in terms of how they see me as somebody who's able to articulate my feelings or to be able to touch on topics that they otherwise, like, you know, were thinking about but didn't really have, you know, kind of like the um, confidence to talk about themselves. Because it's hard. To just get up and talk about things that are, like, you know, very intimate, personal, and stuff like that. And not make it seem like it's a charade or very performative. The 2020 word of the year, performative. But it's been fun. It's been a a great experience. And not saying this to say, like, oh, this is the last time I'm ever going to record a podcast. It's like, it's not. Are they going to be, like, infrequent? Yeah, probably depending on, like, you know, what it is I feel like talking about, who I feel like speaking with. But I really have to shout out everybody who's been continuing their podcast, you know, not with the hype. I was happy to be a guest on, you know, their show. They've been really really consistent, getting partnerships and whatnot. Extra Gravy has been doing a great job. Relentless Diaries came back for season two. Um, The Walder Sportscast has been great. There's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of podcasts out here who are like doing their thing, especially from the city. And I love that. 
dishes and dimes, getting credentials for the Raptors. Are you dumb? They started that before the pandemic, fam. And look what the, look what they were able to do in here. It's incredible. Support the Gallem. It's awesome, man. It's really dope. Just like kind of sitting and just think about like, you know, I was reflecting on a year. It's just like, yo. Yeah, your whole life can change in a year. Word to J. Cole. Keep grinding. You never know. Speaking of J. Cole, you dropped an album this week. That's amazing. I love that for me. And for J. Cole fans. I know a lot of people have their reservations against J. Cole, but listen, KOD got me through a time. For Your Eyes Only is an album that probably won't be appreciated for another like five years. Maybe. But that has a lot of lyrical content, storytelling that probably won't resonate for a while. And I'm not saying that to say like, yo, you have to be a certain consciousness to understand what that man is saying, bro. You're not even taking it in, fam. That man said Jesus and Nipsey both that at 33, fam. Yo, that's crazy, fam. Like, fam, it's really not that deep. Stop trying to make the man deeper than he actually think he is. Because I promise you, he has said he does not think he's that deep. And that's not even me just coming to defense of him. I'm just saying, just like, it's really not that deep. But there are fans out there who just like swear that he's fucking the second coming of W.E. Du Bois. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> oh, man, it's hilarious. But life is good. The Raptors are officially eliminated from playoff play-in contention. Thank God. We don't know when they're coming back to Toronto. But, you know, given that 50% of Ontario or 50% of people in Ontario who got their vaccines have their first shot, which is great. Need to get more people fully vaccinated as we get in uh, more dosages. And then we'll be good to go. There's no reason why if you vaccinate, hear me out. If you vaccinate an entire team, it's players, front office, assistants, anyone who works with the organization who has direct contact with the team and other players as they are on the road traveling. If they are all fully vaxxed, and there are a lot of people who are partially vaccinated in Ontario, Toronto to be specifically. A lot of people are partially vaccinated. Full vaccinations will be on the way basically in the summer. There is no reason why you cannot have them play here. If they are fully vaxxed and you allow a minimal amount of people into the building who are partially or fully vaxxed, what is the problem? Especially if all 30 NBA teams are vaxxed. And especially because the rate 
at which the United States is vaccinating their population is basically like 50% of their entire country will be fully vaccinated by July 1st or 4th, something like that. I could fact check that, but I'm not going to right now. But that's the thing, though. So it's just like it's realistic that the mandem can come back and play. And they need to come back and play. Tampa is terrible. I'm sure Tampa is a nice city for the people who live in Tampa Bay. But when it comes to the Toronto Raptors, they don't give a fuck. They booed the mandem at home because you have a whole bunch of opposing fans. Y'all didn't love the Raptors like that. We let you borrow the team for one season, for a few months, fam, and you couldn't even treat them good. See, this why I'm not going to people place, man. Them not brought up, see. Not at all, at all, at all. My goodness. Anyways, I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this. It's been about an hour. It's great. Again, no sponsors. Just me and my microphone. You know what I'm saying? Very happy with life. Uh, I'm very excited to finally meet my term. Once the borders free up. Because John all. Mans need that. Shout out to love. Love is dope. Love is very dope. It can be very scary. But it can be very fulfilling. It can be devastating, but it can be inspiring. It can be sad, but it can be happy. You know what I'm saying? It's a great thing. It's a great thing. It's the it's it, it makes you so human to feel those emotions, to throw yourself in the risk of like you know total heartbreak. But also you can thrive and flourish because of the culmination of things in which you've lived in this life can be brought back to you in such a positive way. And it's great. It's great to be back here. First time caller, long time listener (laughs) in the Department of Live. But no, not the first time caller. That nigga has... Picked up the phone, hung up, left man's on red. Actually had long conversations. Well, you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a battle. You know what I'm saying? It's a battle, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. It does not need to live in a state of traumatic experiences from time to time to time. It does not have to live in suffering. It can live in tenderness, sweetness. Positive abundance. You know what I'm saying? It's great. Existing in possibility, potential. You mark Tico's favorite word. Go listen to the episode of New, New Year, New Things. It's a great episode. Forward. But continue to support black businesses as if it's second nature to your life. They're essential, fam. Support black people in everything that they do. As long as they're not harming people. Support them. You know what I'm saying? Support the people them. Support the gal them. Abolish the boy them. 
free Palestine. Go do your research on that. Free the people them from oppression. You feel me? Shout out to all of my uh, Muslim brothers and sisters who, are, who were participating in Ramadan. Congrats on making it through by the time that this comes out. Ramadan will be over. And then you can get back to your Bacchanal. You know what I'm saying? Praise be to Allah. You feel me? So, for now, take care of yourselves. This is also a note to self. As my stomach grumbles because I'm hungry, I need to eat something. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And when mans are outside, you know what I'm going already. Is it? But for now, that's my word, and it sticks.